0: Finds a man open on the right wing, it's Kamingo. Steps out, takes a three, knocked it down. Kamingo with a double-double, he's got 12 points and 10 rebounds. The education continues. This is the Golden State Warriors Podcast. And now your host, the voice of the Warriors, at Warriors Vox, Tim Roy. Welcome back to the Warriors Podcast, I'm Tim Roy, Great to be with you, and we are going to be joined in just a moment by the head coach of the Santa Cruz Warriors, and that is Seth Cooper. We'll talk about the role of the G League and the Santa Cruz Warriors in relationship to the Golden State Warriors. And Seth was also working as a player development coach last year with the Golden State Warriors, so he has insight to a lot of the Warriors' young players, trying to help them improve, which, if you think about it, is the goal of the G League to get players to improve at the next level. Golden State, meanwhile, has kicked off their seven-game homestand. I think it comes at a great time. The club was a little unsettled. Stephen Curry was going through a little bit of a shooting slump. Clay Thompson returned. That's a big adjustment. Draymond Green is out for the next couple of weeks. So I think this homestand comes at a good time. Time for them to kind of take a breath and get through the dog days, get to the All-Star break, and then start ramping things up toward the postseason after that, and most importantly, get healthy. Get everybody healthy and, and and back on the hardwood. Get James Wiseman out there at some point just to see what the Warriors have, to see the full squad and to see what they can do with this team so I think it's a really good time to have this homestand and of course they did kick it off with a win uh, this week against the Detroit Pistons but without further ado this conversation I think you're going to enjoy because it's a lot about how young players can get better here's our conversation with the head coach of the Santa Cruz Warriors Seth Cooper well, Seth, I know that uh, Santa Cruz has had their season disrupted by COVID, just like the NBA. If you could just start there, start with the challenges of this season and what has made it different than, say, a normal season in the G League.
1: Yeah, obviously when the NBA gets, you know, has has the COVID disruptions, that trickles down even more to us. And where we have our own guys that have had to have been knocked out with COVID, but then we also get all the guys that get called up to the NBA. and. You know, obviously, that's something you love to see, and you love to see your guys like Quindary Weatherspoon have an opportunity to move up with the Warriors and end up sticking on a two way contract, and Jordan Bell gets signed for 10 days by the Bulls, and hopefully we continue to have others. But that also obviously um, adds another dynamic. And uh, we had three guys, as well as a staff member, um, test positive early this year where they were out. Um, that caused us to have to go on kind of like a five-day break for our own team. Luckily, it was when we had a bunch of practice. Unfortunately, we didn't get to practice then for five days. And then after the showcase, um, which was in Las Vegas, they paused the whole G League season. So that was about December 22nd until uh, we didn't play any games till January 6th. So that was obviously challenging. And even during that time for us to practice, we only had between five and six guys that were available and healthy. So I had to really just be creative on what the best use of time was and keeping guys fresh, but also get them some work and get them enough so that when we didn't come back, we could be ready to kind of hit the ground running.
0: Yeah, now you guys are right in the teeth of your your schedule. Uh, as we talked before we started to tape, you're, you're playing a lot of games right now. But before we get into a little bit of that and some of the guys that you worked with, including, of course, Clay Thompson this year, but – Tell me your philosophy on this. What do you you know? You've been a player development coach. You've worked in college and and in other spots in in pro basketball, and we'll talk about that later. But uh, how do you for what do you see as the role of the Santa Cruz Warriors and the G League in general?
1: Yeah, I mean, for us, it's just to first and foremost to be able to supplement um, and help out in any way we can with the Golden State Warriors, um, whether that's you know, a guy on a rehab assignment like Clay Thompson was, um, or it's, you know, a Moses Moody or Jonathan Kaminga coming down to get development um, work and get minutes and games to Chris Chioza, who played a couple of weeks ago to just hadn't played in a while and they wanted him to, you know, have a little break from sitting out and get some real live minutes, but also continue to build his confidence uh, with some game reps. So, that's kind of the first and foremost um, is, is being there to, you know, assist and to benefit the Warriors in whatever way it is possible. Um, and then it's also, you know, for our Santa Cruz Warriors players, the guys that are on G League contracts, to <laughs> develop them, to create as good of a team as we can, both with our culture and our product on the floor, then to help them ultimately to, um, find success at whatever job is next, whether that's NBA, whether that's being back with us in the G League, or whether that's, you know, a uh, lucrative um, step playing overseas.
0: You know, it's interesting because uh, your background, you played at Division Three college in, in the Midwest, and, uh, you know, you had a chance maybe to play overseas, but chose to get into coaching. Uh, do you do you think that your background helps in this regard because, you know, you know what it's like to be in a situation where, you know, maybe at some point in your college career you realize you you may not be going to the NBA and that it helps as you watch these guys go through their dreams?
1: Yeah, I mean, for me, obviously, that, that realization came at a lot earlier age than some guys playing Division three, and although I was a good Division three player, that's just the you know, whole nother level. So I realized early on, maybe I'd have the opportunity to play in Europe, but, but that my passion for basketball was, was going to ultimately, um, translate into coaching. And so that was something that for me was, was a, you know, when I got offered the job I did out of college working for the Los Angeles Clippers, that was a pretty easy decision for me. But yeah, I mean, being through with the guys that I've been through, um, having been in the G league, both now and before with, with the Celtics team, the main Red Claws, working with guys in college, um, you know, and, and at Indiana University, being able to see some of those guys like Victor Oladipo and, and Cody Zeller drafted, it's it's always, you know, very, very fulfilling and, and very exciting when you get to see a guy, um, especially for the first time, get that chance opportunity to play in the NBA, whether that's through the draft or, you know, in our current situation on guys getting called up, that's just, as a coach, um, it's just something that, that always sticks with you, and just how excited those guys are, and how you know all the hard work you've put into the team, and, and to the individual players, just seems so worth it at that moment when, when you know when they get that opportunity, and you know we know for us that makes our team worse when we when we lose a guy, um, but you know we know that that's the whole point, and and you know that's the opportunity we're hoping to be able to provide for, for as many of our players as we can.
0: Seth, you've been a player development coach, and the G League is about developing players. Uh, how do you go about getting a player to buy in? You know, some players feel they're already ready to get, to play in the NBA when they're really not ready, that they need work. How do you get a player to buy into that? And and what do you look for with a player? in in terms of 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 harnessing that ability to get better i mean it's it's a skill to get better you have to put some work into that so how do you start that process and how do you get a player to buy in
1: yeah no i i think that like you said that is a skill one mentally being able to buy in but two the big thing i've found is just trying to help players realize the consistency that they need to bring to getting better every day um you know, I, I told a couple of our guys this year, like, yeah, if I could go be uh NBA head coach tomorrow, like that would be great. But that's not, you know, that's not the process. Um, and that's, you know, even for them, you just can't skip steps and go right to that result. And, it, and for each player, it takes a different amount of time and their paths are all different. Um, Mike Dunleavy with the Warriors uses the term of um, each player having to run their own race. And, and that's something I try to stress to the guys that, one guy's path and one guy's time and situation isn't another. So, just getting them to, you know, to buy in, but to focus on the things that we think will help them be successful and ultimately in the G League. For a lot of these guys, we're not with them in the off season, so we really get them as the season's starting. And so, it's we just don't have quite the same time um, for the development aspect as, as you may have in college or in the NBA, where you have a player for the off season. So, it's trying to help our guys realize just what's going to help them be successful. And, um, you know, I think with getting guys to buy in, each each player is different and each player is unique and, and, you know, has their own things that will be challenges or things they need to get better at. And, And for some guys, you tell them something and they're ready to do it. And for others, you know, they might want to understand, need to understand why or see success with it. And some guys will do better watching it on film. Some guys, it's showing them players that they can emulate, that they can be like, that have had the success with those certain skills. And so I think it's all part of the puzzle and that's what makes coaching um, to me so fun. It, it's just that it's, it's different with each player, but it's ultimately trying to figure out what we can do to help them be the best versions of themselves and fit in and make the team as, as good as we can make it.
0: So take that uh, philosophy and, and how did you apply that with, with Clay Thompson? What was that like having Clay Thompson come down and work with the guys?
1: Yeah, I mean, for for Clay, um, it's a little bit different. You know, he kind of knows and and has done it at such a high level. Um, It was really working with um, Rick Salbrini, and then also um, Khalid came down, Cliff Robinson from the Warriors staff, and he was with him the entire time. Um, And he'd been with him doing a lot of his rehab. So it was talking to those two and seeing just what Clay needed on a day-to-day basis, whether it was a scrimmage in, and maybe it was a bunch of three-minute scrimmages. Maybe it was longer scrimmages, just to depending on what his workflow and his workload was. But but for Clay, it was really just getting giving him that opportunity um, to play and to, you know, when he can go against G League guys, it's, it's the closest thing he can do to the NBA. So we had a lot of live scrimmages, and then maybe it was a scrimmage one day and a live practice the next where he was getting used to having to do something each and every day in in a team setting. Um, I think it was a great, great opportunity for our players because Clay came down. um, He was great. Didn't ask questions, question what we're doing. He just jumped right in. If we were practicing, if this was the drill, he was doing it. He was going as hard as he could go. And so our guys, to see his approach to that, but also then he would stay after and do the normal work that he does after practice. And for our guys to see him go through an hour and a half practice and then put in 30 minutes after practice and it's not just 30 minutes of him being on the court it's it's very intense deliberate focused work um I think that that was a big benefit for our guys to see his approach and to see how he practiced and to see the work he put in even as a guy who's you know been at the top of the mountaintop and is um, one of the greatest seventy-five players to ever play in
0: the NBA. That's right. That's right. We don't. We, we don't. Want, we don't want him wearing that number seventy-seven jersey. You know, he needed to get up and and be in the the top seventy-five. I want to get your opinion on some some of the young players in the Warriors that you've worked with. Uh, let's start with with a couple of the guys you've had down in Santa Cruz this year. Uh, I was asked today, what's the ceiling for Jonathan Kaminga? Address that, and what do you see with Jonathan?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think. To me, he can be as good as he wants to be, and I think there's really no limit on his ceiling. I think um, just when you look at the way the NBA is today, wanting guys that can play multiple positions, that can dribble, pass, and shoot, and his ability to do that at 6'8 with his athleticism and his strength um, just makes him so unique. I think that as he keeps getting better, and I know jumping into the Warriors this year, Um, a lot of guys that are drafted where he is was drafted pretty much everyone goes under a team where they get to play a lot and and learn through um, mistakes where he kind of came into a more high pressure ready to win situation. And so he hasn't played as much as some of those other guys, but you've seen when he has played just the potential that he has and, and knowing that he's 19 years old and there's still so much room for growth um, is really exciting. And I think, Um, I think he's going to end up, I mean, I think he already is, and you're seeing now he's able to contribute in a lot of different ways on a team that's got the second-best record in the NBA, and I think that that just shows how good he's going to be able to be as he continues to learn and continues to get more opportunities. So um, the few games that we did have him, loved having him, and you know we were able to put the ball in his hands a little bit more, um, trying to just mesh playing him in situations to give him a lot of room to develop and having the ball with, um, also continuing to have him work on the things that are going to make him successful for the Warriors right away as a cutter and as a screener and just playing with energy. But we gave him the ball. We let him initiate offense, let him play pick and roll, and he did a great job with that. And so to me, that was really exciting to see you know, the ways he can help now, but what but he's going to continue to grow to be in the future.
0: When Moses Moody has been sent down to Santa Cruz, he's put up some eye-popping numbers. What do you like about him?
1: Yeah, I mean – Obviously, he has the ability to score, which you've seen um, a big point of emphasis for Moses has been making quick decisions. And I talk with Jama, who's the director of uh, player development with the Warriors, and, and that was a focus as well as him. Early in the year, he was just looking to be a catch-and-shoot three-point shooter and wanted him to be able to expand his game to be able to catch the ball and drive it and make you know the scoring, passing decisions out of that. And you've really been able to see that grow um, really, even the last few times he played with us, being able to use his size and his length and his strength to, to get to the rim and, and put pressure on the defense to score at the rim, which just makes him even more versatile. So, you no, know, it's been great Evan Moses. Um, he comes in with a great approach, and uh, I just see every time he's on the floor, I continue to see him get better. And, you know, he's obviously been able to score for us, but it's, it's really just – being you know, able to do everything on the court where you see his decision-making, his passing, his defense, his rebounding, um, has really been at full display when he's played for us.
0: And and then if you could just uh, give me your opinions on, on Jordan Poole and Juan Toscano-Anderson, two guys that have worked awfully hard uh, to get to where they are right now.
1: Yeah, and that would be exactly the biggest thing is you go back to um, two off-seasons ago, um, before when, when, we, when we were dealing with the pandemic. And at first, there was only four of us that were able to be in the gym from the player development standpoint because they were just keeping the circle so close. And the guys that showed up that summer every day, and it was just individual workouts. So it was no one-on-one, it was no group stuff, it was no pickup, it was nothing but just individual workouts one coach one player and those two guys were in every single one for that whole from when we opened back up that year all the way through till the season started when we didn't even know when the season was going to be um those guys were in there and when you talked earlier about buying and intent I mean that was something that really really stood out was both those guys were there but they were really working I mean and it was an hour and a half just non-stop of Jordan working on his shooting his finishing his reads as much as you could with one coach and one player, and with Juan just locking into his finishing and especially his shooting. So you just saw how hard they worked and and the focus and intent that they did that with. And You know, last year you got to see it right away pay off for both of them some, and it's carried over to to continuing to expand. And I think with those guys that love basketball as much as they do and work so hard, you'll just continue to see them get better and better. Um, And got to remember that they both are – pretty young and, and
0: have a room a lot of room I think to continue to grow Seth let's talk about your career for a moment here before I let you go and I appreciate your time but you started as you mentioned coming out of, of Ed, Edgewood College to go to uh, the, uh, the LA Clippers as a video coordinator to start and you worked there under Mike Dunleavy Sr first of all how did you get that in and secondly what did you learn from Mike yeah
1: so I was looking at Wanted to do something in basketball. Um, I told my dad that I wanted to coach. He thought I meant coach in high school. I told him I wanted to coach either in the NBA or a high-level Division One, and he told me he wasn't sure I was being realistic. Um, I reached out to every team in the NBA, and through a connection I had through my uncle, um, John, who, who I've always been really close with, and he's helped me a lot in my basketball, both playing and, and coaching career. Um, he had a friend who... Um, new Mike Dunleavy Sr., they had just had a video guy that um, for health reasons had to step away, so they had an opening, and so um, in December of my first season, I jumped in um, to the video room knowing that I love basketball, and, and for what I knew about basketball back then, but not knowing a lot about video and how that worked, and just having to put the time in to learn, and, and did four years there with the Clippers, which to me was really like getting a master's degree in basketball just the amount of video and and that was one big thing with Mike Dunleavy was he did a ton of preparation work um so as video coordinator for him had to put a lot of time into just breaking down um NBA games and all the nuances and all the terminology that goes with it And, and I think really gave me a good um backbone so to say into uh into a coaching career where I got to learn a ton about the NBA game and about basketball through through four years of, of working in the video room.
0: Now, you also worked at Indiana for Tom Crean, worked with a guy named Steve McClain, who brought you to Illinois, Chicago. You've spent time, as you mentioned, with the main Red Claws, and, and uh, I think there, was it Scott Morrison was coach of the year when you were there, right? Or Yes,
1: yes, he was. He well- a, uh Really good team, really good record, and, and Scott won Coach of the Year.
0: So so tell me the impact of, you know, every coach kind of sponges off everybody else. What have you learned from, from all those guys?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's exactly right. You pick up little bits with everyone that you've been around, um, and, and Coach Crean allowed me to really get on the court and work um, with our guys hands-on, um, which was great for me, and just seeing – the amount of things that he had to pay attention to and focus on and was so good at in running a basketball program like Indiana and the intensity that he brought to that just made me better every day um, while I was there. And then, yeah, you take things everywhere you go and, and going to the Celtics obviously learned a lot from Scott um, about how to run, you know, a G league team and a professional team. And a lot of the things we were doing there offensively and defensively I've, I've um, been able to implement, especially this year. Um, being there as well, learning, you know, being able to be at practices and training camps that Brad Stevens is putting on and just seeing how he related to the players and the way he was able to, you know, from a little bit different um, personality, but still be able to hold guys, guys accountable and really coach the team. Um, and then, yeah, I went to University of Chicago with Coach McLean, which You know, White Coach Crean was was big on intensity and getting our guys to play hard and got to do a lot of recruiting there, which was something unique for me, which was really good. Um, I'm spending the last two years with with Steve Kerr, obviously, and just the way he's able to message and build a team and have a culture. And and you just see what the Warriors have been since he's been there in terms of both on the court, but the way that, that that team is and how they operate and how. Um, he keeps everyone so engaged on the team and and so bought into, you know, to a team common goal Um, was just amazing for me to see and to be able to see every day for the last couple of years. And it's, you know, a lot of the things, pretty much all the things they do there from the messaging down to what they do on the court are things we try to emulate here in Santa Cruz.
0: Well, it's funny because one of the uh, early college games I did coming out of college was a game at Illinois-Chicago. And that's where I did my first uh, NBA interview uh, of an, of an active NBA player. I interviewed Rod Higgins, who was at the game when I was there, and he was a like a two or third year player with uh, Chicago at the time. And so I've always gotcha. yeah I always remember UIC fondly because of that. Uh, you know they, they say sometimes that the biggest move in basketball is the 18 inches that you go from assistant coach to head coach. So how has that gone? for you, and and what have you learned so far?
1: Yeah, definitely, um, you know, still learning, but you jumped into that pretty quick in the G League without a long training camp, and I think, for me, that's why I've been lucky to have the staff that I have here in the support system, and obviously having, um, you know, Steve Kerr and Mike Brown and Kenny Atkinson, who have done that at the NBA level, and JAMA, who um, has been very helpful, and, you know, he did the same thing going from coaching in the NBA to head coach of the G League and now is back in the NBA, but to have them to kind of, um, talk to and run things by. And then, um, the staff we have here with, with Anthony Vereen and, uh, Andrew who have been, um, long time, especially James G League assistant coaches on some very good teams, um, especially with Santa Cruz, um, other than Nick Kerr, who joined our staff from, uh, Being with the Warriors as well, and to have those guys there just to help me. And, and, you know, they've been through a lot of different situations in the G League and have been able to have a lot of recommendations on, you know, there are some nuances that are different, and there's some difference with just having the players that you have here compared to at the NBA level. And they've been very, very helpful for me um, to have on staff and to have um, really able to help and and guide what we're doing um, as a team here and to just. When we do have things that arise, they've kind of been through a lot of those situations that are somewhat unique to the G League. Um, So it has been a big learning curve, but I I think the support system that I've had here and and, um, going back to all those coaches that I've worked for and the different things I've learned, I think have helped me and and will continue to help me as we progress through the season. Uh,
0: Family good? I I know the NBA season kind of blurred together, and I, I haven't seen you in a while. How's your family?
1: good i got uh, my wife cory's down here we love living we live in capitola um one little town over from santa cruz and then
2: uh
1: our son is uh 20 months now and oh, his name's wow. cruz so wow um, kind months. of ironic that he was born down here and, and and we're here yeah he was born right at the beginning of the pandemic and so he's 20 and we take him to the beach it's a very big sandbox for him so they're good and it gives my parents a really nice place when they're In Madison, Wisconsin, in the winter, they're coming out here again pretty soon to visit. So they get to see their grandson and get a little fun. So I I have no complaints um, from that. But, yeah, it gets long when you're on the road for some two-week road trips like one we have coming up. But um, it's great to be back and have the time that we have when we're home.
0: Final thought for for small college Wisconsin basketball. Who wins the one-on-one battle between Seth Cooper and Warriors assistant coach Chris DeMarco?
1: <laughs> Chris, Chris was uh, a little bit younger than I was when he came in. The guys on my team would give me a hard time. I was, I had redshirted a couple of years, and so he was, uh, he was young. And, and at that time, I'll, I'll give him the, I'll give him the nod. But it was fun. I got to play with Chris DeMarco for one semester. Um, and if you go back into the record books at Edgewood, we're still, um, I think. Four of the top five seasons in free throws attempted. So that's what I tell our guys: we got to get to the free throw line, get easy baskets, wow. easy points. And Chris and I were both
0: able to do that really well. You guys were the the James Harden of your league, I think. That's, that's you know, So, <laughs> hey Seth, I appreciate the time. Uh, it's always great to catch up with you. I wish uh, you know I, I enjoyed uh, talking basketball basketball with you when we were on the road in the past, and I hope to do that many times in the future. And uh, just so happy for you with the work you're doing down Santa Cruz and your coaching journey. And, and just great, man. Thank you so, so much for helping yeah. our our fans understand the role of Santa Cruz and what you're doing down there.
1: Yeah, no, Tim, I appreciate it. And I'm hoping to uh, – as we, we have one long road trip coming up, but then we're home for a while. So I'm hoping to get back up to San Francisco to see a few more games, and hopefully we can catch up then.
0: I appreciate your time as always, and, and thank you so much. Thank you, Tim. I hope you enjoyed the conversation with Seth Cooper as much as I did. He's a really solid young man who's a very good head coach for the Santa Cruz Warriors. And I think that his relationship with the franchise is going to pay dividends. The Warriors have developed a lot of good young coaches out of Santa Cruz. And Seth Cooper is just another in that line of coaches who are going to be working in the NBA for a long, long time well before we leave as you know i like to do it because i can just because i can i want to go back and look at 75 years 75 stars we had a really good one uh, the other night that i really enjoyed putting together with rc davis and that is well who doesn't like a player whose nickname is mr mean <laughs> time for 75 years, 75 stars, as we celebrate 75 years of Warriors basketball in the NBA.
1: There's Larry Smith coming into the ballgame now. Mr. Mean for the Warriors.
0: Larry Smith out of Alcorn State in Mississippi was drafted in the 1980 draft, 24th overall. That put him in the second round back then. But he quickly showed Warrior fans that he was a first-round talent. Making the all-rookie team with his hard hat style of ball. For our younger fans, back in the day, people would show up at the Oakland Coliseum Arena wearing hard hats, sitting on the baseline, cheering on Larry Smith, who would spend nine years playing for the Warriors, averaging around nine rebounds a night as a Golden State player. And when he had a chance to shine in the nineteen eighty-seven playoffs, he was instrumental in helping the Warriors upset the Utah Jazz in the first round, including a game three performance of 10 points and 17 rebounds. And in the following round against the Los Angeles Lakers, in back-to-back elimination games, he pulled down 16 rebounds and 23 in Game 5, 12 of them on the offensive glass, for an incredible 16-point, 23-rebound double-double. When Larry Smith arrived for training camp in 1980, he saw a lot of talent and figured out very quickly how he could fit in.
2: Uh, Guys like Pervis Short, Joe Barrett, Carroll World Free. Bernard King, Clifford Ray, and the list can go on Sonny Parker. So it it was not a whole lot of shots.
0: And about those fans wearing the hard hats, I asked Larry about the first time he saw them lined up in the baseline at the Oakland-Alameda County Coliseum. My
2: first thought was, wow. (laughs) Uh, It it, it was unbelievable. I got really, really teary-eyed because uh, it, it was so much, it was just such so much an honor People that really appreciate the little things you did, and and I, I think as today, uh, there are no other better fans than the Warriors fans. They they were tremendous to me. Uh, they supported me throughout my whole career, uh, regardless I played lousy. They still supported me, and I just I just I just always tell my friends about the fans there. Out of all the places I've been, the Warriors fan was the best fan. In the NBA.
0: The NBA has always had room for players who work hard. But Warriors general manager Bob Myers says players with that kind of a skill set come along maybe once in a career.
1: Everybody loved Larry Smith. I mean everybody loved this. He wasn't extremely skilled, but uh he brought it uh, every every night and did his job and um, you know those guys are hard to find. You think they're a diamond dozen uh, but those guys are very hard
0: to find. As a rookie, Smith would pull down 12 rebounds a game. And for the nine years he played with the Warriors, he would average over 10 rebounds a night. It wasn't about being athletically gifted. It was about being smart and having desire.
2: I was not a tremendous jumper, but I did get really good position. And pretty much playing with all these guys, I know what his shots are pretty much coming off most of the time. So I tried to put myself in that position to rebound the basketball. I wasn't a great jumper, I wasn't a real, real physical guy or big guy, but I had great anticipation.
0: He led the NBA in offensive rebounds in the 85-86 season, and after the Warriors, he would play four more years, three with Houston and one with San Antonio. And as I mentioned before, he played well for the Warriors in the postseason, but he would win a championship with the Houston Rockets as an assistant coach in the mid-1990s. For the last decade and change, he has worked at his beloved Alcorn State where his dream started, only to become reality in the bay. When he was
2: younger and lighter, he used to do it with a great deal of proficiency, but Mr. Mean has wiped two of them away that were look like certain scores. The Warriors do oh, yeah. have
0: some quick leapers and Larry Smith reacts very quickly well and done. spikes that one away.
2: I knew with all those guys out there, if I just them the glass, and stay consistent on the glass, I will get a chance to play. Thank God it worked out for me.
0: I would say it worked out really well for Larry Smith and for Dub Nation. And by the way, today is his birthday. So happy birthday to the 75-year, 75-star, Mr. Mean, Larry Smith. This has been
2: 75 Years,
0: 75 Stars. All right, that's going to do it for the Warriors podcast for this week. I'm Tim Roy. Thanks to James Kincaid for his work. Thanks to Shannon Stabler down at the Santa Cruz Warriors for helping us coordinate this interview with Seth Cooper. As always, thanks to the grand poobah of audio for the Warriors franchise, and that is R.C. Davis. I'm Tim Roy. We'll talk to you next time here on the Warriors podcast and tell your friends to subscribe and to find us wherever they listen to their podcasts.